1: this is the john fuglesang podcast i'm john sang. this is sirius xm progress hello to all you deeply attractive people listening on demand or on the app or on the john sang podcast we love all of you our day walkers are always invited to call in some night if you're bored or you can write us at the show's Facebook page, Tell Me Everything on SiriusXM or at johnfuglesang.com. We will read your very lovely notes on the air. And if you write hateful, ignorant shit, we'll read that, too. That's actually more fun. And as always, any Trump supporters, you know, if you're a Breitbart listener or if you're a, a patriot listener um, and, and you know, you're just listening to this to get your hate up because that counts as cardio. We love when Trump supporters call us, especially if they're Trump supporters who pretend that they can be Christian. We'd love to hear from you at 866-997-4748. Chris Houseelt. Is our executive producer running this thing from the South Carolina studios. The great Thea Harper is running this thing from Brooklyn. And I come to you from Manhattan. We are so glad you are with us tonight. We have a great, great final week of shows before we get to Christmas. And I hope you're doing okay. Are, Are you a Christmas fan? What's your favorite Christmas song? Or your favorite Christmas film, like it, it, what, it, it, in a pinch, what would you go to? That's going to be my question of the night tonight and probably tomorrow, too. L- OK, I know. I, I know there's there's Jimmy Stewart and Bedford Falls. But but is there another film that you love about Christmas that's not? It's a wonderful life. We'd love to know. And also, I, I gave Chris a big list of all the songs I wanted to play all week. Normally, we play music related to the date who was born or what came out this day. I'm just having Chris play all Christmas music all week. He's, he's sick of it already deeply. But what is your favorite Christmas album or Christmas song? I consider this to be a very political issue, and I want to hear your thoughts. Bob Henley, one of the best... Labor journalists in America will be joining us tonight, as will our friend, comedian and actor Ethan Herschenfeld. And uh, tomorrow night, I'm very excited for actor Sebastian Roche, who's a character actor. He's been in everything, but he stars now as a really evil, villainous French priest in that new Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren show on Paramount 1923. And man. His plot line is about an Indian girl in a residential school, uh, and he plays the evil priest who terrorizes the indigenous girls and the nuns who work there. It, truly, truly chilling on-screen villain. Very happy to have him tomorrow. Uh, I've only seen the pilot, but it's really solid TV. So let's get to it. We got a lot to get to. I know it's been a pretty crazy day. Let's do a show. I always know when the year is ending because we have to do a lot of year-end review specials earlier today i did the the, the series xm progress avengers show with zerlina and dean and michelangelo really fun it was our first time doing it in person since 2019 when i had just moved the show over here to this channel and chris and i had just begun doing the show at what the hell o'clock we we did one of those things and everybody was there and then it's all been zoom so today we did uh the channel-wide end of the year show and it was a hoot. And then we did our Tell Me Everything End of the Year show with two of our favorite guests uh, from this year, Dr. Tracy Pearson and Dr. Jason Nichols. And that's going to air all throughout the holidays. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I always know the year is coming to an end when I get asked to do all these year in review shows. I just did Gene Farsad's wonderful Fake the Nation podcast. I think we have to do a, a review show of our top 10 end of the year review shows. But there's so much news to get to, as you probably know by now, the House Ways and Means Committee. Just voted 24 to 16 to release six years of tax information related to the former host of Celebrity Apprentice Donald Trump to the full house with redactions for sensitive, personal, identifiable information. I want to believe there's something in there that'll justify all of this, right? I mean, what if it's nothing? What if after all these years and all this hype, what if there's nothing there with the Democrats walk into a trap like that? I mean, much respect to the House Ways and Means Committee, and I think it's great you're releasing it now because God knows after January 1st and the Republicans take over, whoever their speaker is, you won't have a chance. But guys, help me out with this. Is there a significant legislative purpose for having this? I mean, I mean, or or is it all just gossip? (laughs) Republicans are now warning that releasing Trump's tax returns could mean releasing Supreme Court justices tax returns. Now, I think that's a great idea. Let's release all the... Can we please do that? Because I've been waiting to know a long time about Brett Kavanaugh. He had a $92,000 country club balance. He had a million dollar mortgage. He had a quarter million in credit card debt. Who, Who paid that off? Please, please let us know. But this is what's troubling me. Is there a legitimate reason for this? Do you think the Democrats would release it if it was just a big old nothing burger? I mean, it's conceivable, right? Now, the big story I think I got a couple things, but another thing is is the storm. I hope you're ready. Um, I hope uh I hope that you're all set because it's going to be cold and it's going to slam the heart of the country this week, right smack dab in the middle of our busiest travel days. This storm is going to mess with passenger travel and this storm's going to mess with cargo transport across the country. There may be supply delays as heavy snow and blizzard conditions could occur. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, across the Midwest, the Ohio Valley, it looks like heavy snow and heavy winds are going to cause poor visibility and maybe even power outages in Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And there's going to be really cold air. They, they say that by Friday night, there will be wind chills around minus 30 degrees in Chicago. This is a nationwide Arctic blast, and it's coming over from Siberia. National Weather Service is telling residents in Chicago and parts of Indiana and Ohio to reconsider travel on Thursday or Friday. If you're set to travel, please call your airlines. Please call your airlines in advance. Most likely around tomorrow or Thursday, they're going to start to cancel flights preemptively. And there may be big delays at the big hub airports, including Denver, Chicago, and Detroit. Now, the cargo hubs... I didn't know this, but the cargo hubs are in Cincinnati, Louisville, Memphis, and Indianapolis. Those are all probably going to get hit. Please, guys, please. United, American, and Delta are already offering to waive change fees and fare differences for customers who rebook around some of these destinations that are in the path of the storm. But do it quick. Seriously. I mean, listen to the end of the show. Do the full three hours with us. But then try to rebook. Um, install your airline's app on your phone. That's the best advice I can give to you right now, just to make the days a little bit clearer for what is to come. Now I want to talk about the real important thing. I want to take a moment to wish happy holidays to all of our conservative friends and loved ones who are really angry still, after all these years, about the war on Christmas. I'm worried about you guys. I mean, Christmas is coming, and you're not very merry I mean, every December for, God, years now, Fox News, I mean, it was Bill O'Reilly, then it was Glenn Beck, now it's Little Chinless Tucky. I mean, boy, Little Chinless Tucky, he's very mad about this war on Christmas, he's very mad about people on the left who claim there is no war on Christmas, and and, and the American Family Association, they've all been whipping you conservative loved ones into a frenzy because Christmas is under attack from secularists, atheists, liberals, random, nameless, non-Christian people. And the proof, here's the proof. Ready? Scientific. Ready? The proof is that some businesses aren't saying Merry Christmas anymore. They're saying Happy Holidays. I know, this bullshit. We've been dealing with this for years. Uh, AFA published a list of businesses like Barnes & Noble and Radio Shack that they say Christians should boycott. Because their advertising says Happy Holidays instead of actually invoking the birth of Christ to sell you twilight novels and flat screen TVs on my own block here in New York. We got a combination head shop and porn Emporium with a happy holidays sign in the window. I went in to complain, but they told me that atheists and non-Christian believers buy porn and drug paraphernalia, too, which I found fascinating. The folks at my head shop and porn Emporium said they're trying to be inclusive for all their customers. And by extending goodwill to everyone, they're just reaching out to whoever's buying warming oil, bongs or dildos at this time of the year. Now, look. I'm not going to try and convince you conservative Christian folk that the war on Christmas is a big racket or a majority population gets upset because they're being forced to be considerate to minorities. I mean, I could tell you that by protesting happy holidays, you're actually confusing Christianity with Christian supremacy that you're not actually spreading the gospel of Jesus's teachings. You're just imposing your taste on others I mean, you, you could fight for us all to be a Christian nation by advocating for the poor, the sick, the least of us. But if you do that, certain Christians are just going to call you a socialist, right? Oh, yeah, fuck that. Just just get really angry about his birthday. I mean, I could tell you conservative folks that they trot this war on Christmas racket out every year because it's good for ratings. While Fox takes money from advertisers to air commercials in the breaks that still say happy holidays, suckers. I could tell you it seems kind of creepy to hear Fox News warning a very comfortable religious majority that their way of life is at risk because of an evil, spiritually inferior minority. I mean, my God, I, I, I swear to God, you could actually take an Eichmann speech and replace the word Juden with secularist and, and Glenn Beck could read it on the air and it would sound exactly normal. I mean, it there might be a few too many references to Poland, but you get the point. I mean, look, I could tell you the whole thing about Christmas is kind of kooky to begin with. Christmas is where we give material possessions as gifts to celebrate the birth of a man who renounced material possessions. And y'all know December 25th isn't even really Jesus' birthday, right? When the Roman Empire co-opted Christianity, they chose that date because it was already their feast of the Roman god Mithra. That's the only reason we do this on December 25th. Actually, astronomers now think Jesus may have really been born in June. Aren't you angry about that, Christian right? They're saying Jesus was a Gemini. I mean, that, that would explain the whole Temple Freakout episode, but like, like, look, look, if you try to have this conversation with your loved ones at the holidays, you understand they're not going to hear anything. They're not going to listen. They're going to really believe that they're oppressed. That's how authoritarianism works. That's how conservatism works. You have to make the white heterosexual Christian majority feel like they are constantly under attack from powerless minorities so you know you, you could say hey it's about being inclusive it's about being loving you're not actually spreading jesus's teachings you're just imposing your club on other people I, I could tell them that it's just a racket fox does for ratings but they don't care so i'll just put it this way conservative christians who are angry about happy holidays which i guess means they used to be angry about seasons greetings because that's what they said when i was a kid why do you guys hate capitalism now, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. When a company chooses to say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, they are only trying to be considerate to as many people as possible because it's good business. The only sin they've attempted, the only sin they've committed, is trying to not alienate their non-Christian customers. It's just good business. And it's sort of a rare example of business actually aligning with Jesus' teachings. Yes, yes, the corporations are saying Happy Holidays because they're trying to maximize profit, but in doing so, they're trying to maximize profit by being nice to everyone, not just one group. Happy Holidays is an attempt to express love and goodwill to all, not just the people in your own club. Happy Holidays is wishing joy on people of different faiths or wishing joy to its unbelievers as much as you would wish it on your fellow Christians because if you are a Christian you do care about other faiths or unbelievers as much as you care about Christians right right <laughs> this is the kind of wish that doesn't draw lines happy holidays doesn't elevate your beliefs over someone else's it's a greeting that wishes goodwill to all cuz sometimes happy holidays is a lot more Christian than Merry Christmas. So, happy holidays, because the war on Christmas is over, if you want it.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders.
1: This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fuglesang. Thanks for joining us. Okay, there's a lot to get to in terms of labor, in terms of justice, in terms of economic and environmental justice. It's time to bring in one of the smartest, savviest, and gutsiest journalists in the business. Robert Henley is an award-winning investigative journalist with a 40-year career. He's covered every level of public policy from corruption, homeland security, immigration, environmental policy, the economy, and of course... COVID-19 and its impact on working America. Bob was a senior reporter at WNYC for 12 years. His work's been published in the New York Times, Christian Science Monitor, Salon, including his most recent at Labor Rally in D.C., Rail Workers and Progressive Allies Vow to Push Biden on Sick Days. Let's talk about it. Uh, happy holidays, Mr. Bob Henley.
3: How do you do it? That's a lot in one breath. <laughs>
1: do what do it do a do an introduction of someone I, I i'm excited to have on this show it's very very easy uh, yeah the nice think about in tv control. i have to interview people i can't stand all the time that's the worst thing about tv In radio it's only people we like so i win no matter <laughs> what yes. So, how yes how are you sir I'm, how are you how's your family
3: I'm, I'm, it's all all the family stuff is is wonderful Um, I still am physically capable of helping people paint and move into their houses. My family, I'm in much demand as a pretty darn good free contractor. But (laughs) I am just beside myself with the news that the Senate just couldn't see fit to put $3.7 billion into the omnibus $1.7 trillion government funding thing for our 9-11 World Trade Center first responders in lower Manhattan community. I just, I, I'm beside myself. I just, it's just breaking now. So please forgive me. You're getting me in the raw.
1: No, listen, I'm, I'm with you on this. And, and look, I always say like, this is a, this is a progressive channel. It's not a pro-Democratic Party channel. We're not a cult and we don't ever shy away from criticizing Democrats when they believe it, when, when they deserve it. But Bob, I'm sitting here going through the omnibus bill. And reading all about all the negotiations and how it almost didn't happen and look there's a lot of great stuff in here 45 billion for ukraine i i okay i'm still with you on that uh 40 billion in disaster aid for storm and wildfire recovery uh you know rewriting the electoral count act well that didn't work uh trying to ban tic tac on government phones you know okay like like there's good stuff here but after all we saw and after all the strife In the railroad strike, I mean, first we had, you know, they announced in September this thing was all fixed, that Joe Biden had a deal, that we weren't going to have a railroad strike affecting our economy at the holidays. And then last minute, it all comes down to this heartbreaking story. And by now, you know, our our listeners know it. I mean, there were eight rail unions that voted for this deal and four, including one of the big ones, rejected it over a very simple issue paid sick days. Bob, the floor is yours. Set us up for those so, who still so, don't know about what went down.
3: So so uh, the uh, 55% of people at cast ballots voted against it. And so it's the most important thing that you need to know about the American rail industry is that, say, in the 1980s, we had 47 railroads. We have seven today. That's right, seven. We have replicated the robber barons of a simpler time around the Triangle Fire. This would be the America that existed before Theodore Roosevelt busted the trust. Mm -hmm. And we've done that by both parties uh, doing everything they can to facilitate the accumulation of massive amounts of capital while taxing working people and permitting all kinds of Wall Street shenanigans to get involved with running railroads. And so now Wall Street came in and figured out that they could drive this workforce into the ground. In the last several years, they've laid off 30% of the workforce and come up with something called precision-schedule railroading. Think of it like your Amazon warehouse where you have to uh, piss into a uh, a Coke bottle so that you don't get dinged for going to the bathroom, but only think of it in terms of moving three-mile-long trains. And so what used to require five people to do, they're trying to have, like, two people do it, and in their total wonderful dream— to have one individual moving millions of dollars of cargo, putting the public at risk, and driving that poor man or woman into an early grave—that's exactly. where we are. And this is what Democrats imposed. That's right, using the Railway uh, Labor Act in nineteen from uh, in nineteen twenty-six, an old-timey feeling. They imposed mm-hmm. it on the workers without sick time, and that's where we are.
1: Mm. I mean, let's just throw in that the railroads were sitting on, what was it, $30 billion in profit, but they couldn't no, find oh, the money? No, it's
3: like $100 billion. Uh, in the last several years, while they were cutting this over the last eight years, they uh, pocketed like uh, over $120 billion. And so they have been one of the major beneficiaries of this windfall Incredible that we have seen in the last couple of years, where the wealth has just like centrifugal force, is going all to the top. And so... It is all connected to uh, the scarcity issue, because when it comes to health care, oh, we've got to count our pennies, don't you know? But when it comes to largesse and corporate welfare, the sky's the limit. You've got to spend money to make money.
1: You quote Senator Sorry, Bernie I had Sanders. I got coffee. I got No, got no listen. Hey, God bless. It's part of what makes you great. You, you, you quote our friend, friend of the show, Senator Bernie Sanders, in this. And he says, they walked into the industry a number of years ago and said, hey, you are too nice to your workers. Tighten up, cut, cut, and cut. And in the last six years, we have seen a 30% reduction in the workforce. You guys have to do more with less support, and that is their ideology. How do we work people to the bone? So we can make $20 billion a year. That is why we have to put an end to precision schedule railroading. Bob, until I read your piece, I didn't know that we actually have cargo trains five miles long with only two men or two people maintaining this. That's right. I'm terrified.
3: Well, well, and so the thing is this is you know when democrats like oh you know how could we win the rural vote let's 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 have a focus group well you might figure out you regulate the railroads because these five mile trains are to no one's convenience except the venture vulture capitalist because if you're living in a small town when that train starts why you could have a heart attack and your wife could deliver a baby and you'd have to do it in your car because you can't get to the hospital because the train goes on forever that mm. is the kind of degrading of the quality of life that is across the fruited plain. They want to know why we're getting more militant.
1: Mm. Now, now I, I, I know that Barack Obama signed an executive order seven years ago establishing paid sick leave for federal contractors, right? But that still doesn't cover right. rail carriers, does it?
3: Well, it, it, it could. And this is, this is the nervous Nelly Democratic Party at its best. Tell me. Uh, This is an executive. There is no doubt. And I've been trying to uh, get folks to call the White House comment line for a couple of days uh, to call the comment line and saying that President Biden has a moral obligation since he denied workers. The one thing they have, the inalienable right to strike, he denied them that it imposes deal. He needs to sign an executive order. Four, seven paid sick days and cite the fact that, don't you know, we have something called the triple demic working. That's right. We've got COVID. We've got pediatric respiratory virus and we've got the flu all surging at the same time. And the one thing that we took away from and no one really wants to own this, but people in the transportation sector and in the healthcare sector and in food processing, Paid an inordinate price in terms of dying because Mm -hmm. of lack of preparation of the federal government. And we do not see President Biden learning a thing because the least you could do is provide people the ability not to work
1: sick. Exactly. Exactly. And we talked about this, Bob, so much in the last three years during COVID that if there was ever a, a logistical humanistic, common sense, pro-business reason to let people have paid sick days. Well, God damn it. It's the same reason why undocumented workers should have health care. And the pandemic showed us you, you want to save lives and keep people safer. Now, you talk about these 73 members of Congress who wrote a letter to Joe Biden asking him right. to do something on the executive level, including Bernie, uh, Senator Liz Warren, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, lots of great people, Richie Torres, who, you know, Cory the, Booker, lots of good folks, Cory Booker, they all talk about OSHA and they all talk about how, you know, this is something that really is under Pete Buttigieg's purview as well. Um, But they said under the Federal Railroad Safety Act, the Secretary of Transportation, that's Pete, has a duty to promote safety in all areas of railroad operations to reduce railroad related accidents, reduce deaths, injuries and damages caused by rail carriers. So even though it wasn't included in the omnibus bill, you're right. They have the logic. They have the reasoning. They have the structure to justify executive action on this for the rail workers. Bob, here's my thing. I do believe Joe Biden cares about unions. I do believe Joe Biden cares about the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And I do believe that he feels bad about this. And I would not be surprised if he did wrap this up by executive order, possibly very soon. Am I being too pollyanna here? Because I, I well, know Joe Biden listens to criticisms. And the older he gets, the more he seems to care.
3: Well, I, I would say that, listen, I, I, I hope it has a capresque ending, but... It was disconcerting when I found out that Tuesday the uh, White House uh, comment line was taking a holiday break. That's right. All six in America. No need to make a comment or be upset because we'll see in the new year. I just you know, I get this feeling when I go to these rallies in Washington and when I'm out working and talking with working people, I feel a tremendous disconnect between how the folks in Washington are living and what the experiences of working people I took in the story today I spent an hour with a guy incredible story 39 year old union guy the single father of two 12 year old boys a skilled guy his union provides his health care he's thinking John of having to go part-time because when the kids were living with his mother, from their mother, whom he's divorced from, she was murdered. Mm-hmm. And then they came to live with him. And he can't get his Blue Cross Blue Shield program to pay for his coverage to pay for mental health counseling. So he's going to go part time and then the kids can go on the New Jersey care program. This is this is what's happening. This is the 21st century Charles Dickens delight that happens in households across the country. And so when I hear the Federal Reserve saying, you're in your toolbox trying to fix the economy, talking about interest rates, these are the kinds of things getting in the way of working people from being productive.
1: Amen. So l- let me shift it really quick, Bob, because there's another labor story here or another story that you've written that I think is possibly even more important. Uh, and I say this as a New Yorker, who's come to learn over the course of several decades that no politicians or business figures have any idea what to do about homelessness. But I think it's a pretty good idea, pretty good sign that our new mayor, Mr. Adams, has no idea what to do about homelessness. And we've been talking about this quite a bit. You covered in a great new piece in Salon, NYC Mayor Eric Adams' terrible plan to forcibly hospitalize homeless people with mental illness. Look, I get that he wants to do something and he wants to be seen as doing something and I admire that, but I I don't really believe it's, shall we say, completely a compassion driven response?
3: Well, I would say that you can tell that he, and this is, what's so disappointing is he ran as a former police captain who worked the subways. He Mm -hmm. got elected because he was promising to have that kind of civil servant, first responder, practical response to problems. And so he did not ask the EMTs. He did not ask the people that are dealing with this problem. And so the reality is that he's dealing with what we did in America for decades now, which was to close the, the mental health facilities, uh, promising, of course, we'd have neighborhood small-scale, community-based facilities. Well, we didn't really do that because we didn't want them living in the neighborhood or see them in the grocery store. And so as a consequence, now they're living in our jails, our libraries, and our subways. It's been that way for decades. I don't know how you can have a conversation about this without talking about the lack of universal health care and the lack of continuity of care. And so what -hmm. you're going to have is a bunch of people handcuffed, and I've seen it before, I've written these stories, I wish we'd do something new, they'll be handcuffed to the radiator in the hospital because there's no place for them
1: to go. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you point out, not highlighted in the mayor's city hall rollout was referenced to New York state's decades old decision to close mental health facilities and neighborhood hospitals, uh, nor the ongoing choices made amid the pandemic by the city's wealthiest private hospitals to close their inpatient psychiatric units. You know, Bob, one thing I'll say with this happening in New York and everything, everything we're seeing in California, I've waited since I was a kid in the 1980s to see homelessness be a front page news story. I mean, it seems like it's finally beginning to happen. And while I don't like these solutions, and I certainly don't like people who don't give a rat's ass about the homeless using that issue to bludgeon the governor of California, I- I'm really grateful we're having the debate.
3: Right. I would say, though, that it has to be uh, you have to also look at the fact that over the last 20 years, New York City and its city council and Mayor Bloomberg uh, to a lesser degree to de Blasio presided over housing also becoming a luxury good. Yeah. And so all of the, um, the uh, single-room occupancy, all the places that people down in their luck could live with some decency, maybe share a bathroom, share a shower, that is all gone. And it's been turned into suites that the oligarchs can visit between Christmas and New Year's. Multi-billion-dollar facilities where you can park your ill-gotten gains and avoid taxation, by investing in New York City. That's where all this affordable housing went. So the combination of cutting places uh, and mental health facilities, no continuity of care, and then no place to live that's safe, yes, you're going to end up with homeless people who need medical attention.
1: No doubt. And it seems so preventable. And yet, you know, Eric Adams ran as this working-class public union guy, and and the unions all endorsed him. So I guess, you know, Have you heard any politicians in all your travels put forth anything that sounds like a solution? I mean, it's great that Governor Hochul promised 50 extra beds for psychiatric patients, but you know this city is going to take a lot more than 50.
3: Right. And so I would say that I was hopeful when I saw that they're talking about trying to use and convert some of the excess office space into housing and some of the hotels that haven't reopened. But the inattention to the circumstances of the American people has been going on a long time. And so it's hard to play catch up. And so, and once there's any sense, there might be some kind of economic contraction, forget about it. And so we have the tide going against us. Uh, I do see some kind of, uh, you know, the only solution here is community based uh, a long-term commitment to housing and also to care and so that's the other thing, too, is that as long as you have a for profit healthcare care system, which is what we have based on scarcity, mm-hmm. uh, which is based on denying people care. One of the things that goes on all the time is these hospitals, these proprietary luxury hospitals, they're nonprofit, don't you know? Okay. Uh, and yet the people are making millions and millions of dollars. They will take the difficult patients and dump them at the municipal hospital.
1: That's right. And so this is
3: this is we just have to have a call of conscience here.
1: Bob, we are out of time. Can we get you back in the new year to talk about what a good year labor had on the grassroots level in 2022? Absolutely. Be well. Stay safe, my friend. Blessings to you and your family. Have a great holiday. We'll talk to you very soon. The great Bob Henley, everyone follow him at Stuck Nation. And I'm going to tweet out your articles as well. We'll be right back. This is Progress.
0: Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
1: I'm John Fugel saying this is Progress After Dark. Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky is planning to travel to Washington, D.C. tomorrow. I guess no one told him about the weather. He'll be addressing a joint session of Congress in person. Joe Biden's planning to host Zelensky at the White House. And this will coincide with an announcement that the U.S. is going to send more Patriot missile systems over to Ukraine. Zelensky has not left Ukraine in 300 days since Russia launched its brutal, illegal, evil, genocidal invasion on February 24th, unleashing so much suffering on the Ukrainian people. This is 300 days after Vladimir Putin had hitmen parachute into Kiev to try to murder him. And he is now going to fly to Washington, D.C. And Congress is going to pass $45 billion in additional military and economic aid to Ukraine this week as part of the omnibus bill. It's, of course, with the incoming House Republican majority saying they don't want to keep on sending aid to Ukraine. Zelensky has a lot on the line here. This could give him the chance to meet personally with some of these Republicans to convince them that, hey, uh, you say you don't like what Hitler did. Why would you let Vladimir Putin get away with it? I mean, Ukraine is going through these insane power outages. Russian strikes are deliberately targeting civilian infrastructure, and it's getting very cold there. What's going to happen if we're right before Christmas and Vladimir Zelensky gives this emotional appeal? to lawmakers' faces before they leave town for the holidays. He did address a joint session of Congress back in March, but that was through Zoom. And he talked about Pearl Harbor and 9-11. You know, for a lot of Americans, they've forgotten about what's going on in Ukraine. That's why I think it's good that there's ever more footage coming out. But look, Zelensky just went to uh, another city to hand out awards to troops involved in one of uh, the city's fiercest battles. That's the city of Bakhmut. He is Time Magazine's man of the year. And literally... He's going to come to Congress and ask for more funding once the Republicans take over. And he's probably going to let them know that if they cut the purse strings, he will be dead. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. Let's get to Jay in California. Jay, thank you so much for your patience. Welcome.
5: Uh, hi, John. This is uh, a tough follow up to your uh Caller a moment ago talking about the merits of the uh, organization of the uh, DNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk, You wanted to uh, talk about, uh, uh, you know, have people weigh in on uh, Christmas songs.
1: We're building the perfect think, playlist.
5: Uh, uh, mine, uh, w- my two would be uh, "Merry Christmas from the Family" by uh, Robert Earl Keane, which is about a dysfunctional family's Christmas. Probably one of the few songs to mention tampon.
1: I oh think
5: my. a couple times in that one. it's a <laughs> it's a, a tongue and cheek song. I heard is uh, that
1: I, I and, heard Montgomery I heard Montgomery Gentry's version. Is that a cover?
5: Uh yes, it's by okay. Robert Earl Keane.
1: Oh, okay. I, um, I, I okay. I knew the country and, version. And uh,
5: also if we make it through December by uh, Merle Haggard. Okay. Uh love that song. Not really uh per se a Christmas song, but uh, my father passed away when I was a teenager immediately after Christmas. So uh, it oh. is kind of a, uh, it's a very uh, muted uh, period for me, so to speak.
1: I understand that. Um, I, I, I totally feel uh, for you. My, is, I, I, I love Merle Haggard's the, uh, Christmas album.
5: Uh, I've, I've told you before, I saw him many times. I love Merle Haggard. My friends, when I was in uh, my mid-20s and the early 80s and started listening almost exclusively to Merle Haggard, I wow. thought I'd gone insane, and now they all say, wow, that was very revelatory. But,
1: that was pretty uh, hip of you. Yeah, I, I saw Merle Haggard in Vegas about 15 years ago, and uh, it was astonishing. He just, I, the the room didn't know what to do with him. He was just so present and so funny and so wild and, and just such, a, such a, a band leader. He was really, really amazing to watch. And I love his Christmas record. I like his White Christmas. I like his Silent Night. And he does a version of uh, Sermon on the Mount that's really good, too.
5: The um, uh, I was going to add, to that uh, I will tell you what what gives me solace uh, about uh, Christmas is that uh, I have mentioned to you in a prior call, I married an undocumented immigrant from Mexico. She is now a U.S. citizen, uh, although not from the border region. Her family lives near the border now, and I get to play uh, Santa Claus for her family. Well, oh, wow. they are not impoverished. Wow. They would be impoverished by American standards, not by Mexican standards. But to be able to play Santa Claus for them, and I've done it for 25 years now, and it's just really uh, a wonderful experience. They're all so appreciative of uh, where I've had family moan about the gifts that they get from my wife and I, and <laughs> uh, to see them. <laughs> see them, you know the excitement that they get, because otherwise it would be somewhat dreary for them. Because uh, they they work in the maquiladoras and they're basically yeah. factory towns, and you know they're indebted yeah. to the company that they work for because they bought yeah. a TV with a loan from the Maquia So,
1: hmm. uh, well, but, you sound uh, like a you sound like a real catch as a husband and as a son as well, Jay. And I appreciate. Oh,
5: uh, I don't know. She, I think it's my wife. Is uh, I was the fortunate one, and uh, just. Uh, <laughs> To, to touch base on what the, what your previous caller said about the DNC and lack of organization, I wish they would bring that back, the Howard Dean 50-state strategy. That's, it.
2: That's what to I keep have,
3: saying.
5: To have any Republican run unopposed is just, you're giving them a seat.
1: Yes, I agree, sir, completely. And I thank you for the call. We'll be right back. This is Progress. We are back with our good friend, comedian and actor who's played every ethnicity and every TV show ever. The great Ethan Hershenfeld, who's got a big show coming up Christmas Eve here in New York City. Ethan, tell us about thank the show. You, thank you. Yeah, Thank you very much. It's a
4: Christmas Eve tradition at the comic strip, the historic comic strip on Second Avenue and 82nd Street great in right. New York, New York. And the, the show is called Mary Stickmas. A Jewish Christmas Eve comedy show, and it's been running for many years. I've done it many times. How many times? Um, how,
1: how long have you been doing this show? It's so, been it's about so five
4: about, about five years. Nice. Um, missed one, did it by Zoom, I think, last year or uh, one of those pandemic years that happened by Zoom. Um, and I'm back there in person, and I'm going to be headlining the shows this this year. There's a, a seven o'clock show and a nine thirty show. The uh, the tickets are on Event Eventbrite, or you can just go to the Comic Strip website. The Comic Strip, incidentally, is you know Danger closed, uh, now Caroline's closed. I you know, know the Comic Strip is uh, one of the last last uh, standing uh, edifices, of New York's comic comedy history.
1: That's uh, true. So yeah, the and and been there longer than Caroline's was in that location as well. I'm I'm broken hearted about Caroline's, but this is this yeah. is terrific. I love that there's a kosher Christmas Eve comedy show yes. <laughs> on Christmas Eve. You must get some some Gentiles come in, right? Some Goyim do yes, come in, I'm sure.
4: Yes, they're allowed. Nation all the nations are allowed. And okay, that's um, good to know. We, re- we welcome we yes. You don't have to be Jewish to get in. In fact, um there's a there's a promo code, uh, which is just my name, Ethan. Promo code Ethan with a capital promo code E. Ethan. And that's available to Gentiles and Jews alike. Um you anyone can, can take advantage. Yes, the tickets are are uh, I think they're 28, but with the promo, I think it's 18, something like that. Oh um, brilliant. You can go to Eventbrite or you can go to Comic Strip, uh the Comic Strip website and uh come to the early show, come to the late show. There's some really terrific comedians on the show with me. There's Holly Weiss, Oscar Steinhart, Ira Kustin, um Brett Singer, and the guy who produces it, who's a very funny guy, DF Swedler. Yes, uh, yes, who who, who teaches comedy at the at the strip i took his workshop way back in the 90s he's amazing and very funny guy and so yeah the show usually sells out and it's a it's a great tradition you know there's like a jewish tradition of like chinese food and a movie on christmas Eve. i was
1: going to say do they physically yeah. serve chinese food in the comic strip for the jewish christmas
4: eve show ethan i believe that 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 was part of it at one time i'm not sure if that's happening in, in the current iteration but um there's Chinese so that's Christmas nearby.
1: Eve, that's that's this coming Saturday, Merry yes. stickmas, a kosher Christmas Eve comedy show. Yes. This has got to be a TV Stiffmas. special by the way. You can go uh either to Eventbrite or go to comicstrip live.com and get tickets through there and use Ethan's name, which is Ethan. Yes. Ethan for promo code Ethan
4: for a big hefty discount. By the way, I just wanted to make one comment. Uh,
1: Bill made a very good
4: joke about um about uh, They Will Not Replace Us, the, Char- the Charlottesville thing. So I wanted to just circle back to that because you introduced me. You said Thug Thug Jew, which yes. is the title of my comedy special and my album from 800-pound Gorilla Records. Very fun. Thug 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 Jew. And I, I don't, I don't want to go quoting myself, but I will in this case because it's apropos. Um, I do have a joke on the album about um, those Nazis in Charlottesville chanting Jews will not replace us, uh, which sounds like a chant I would have heard from all of the appliances in my parents' kitchen. there it is uh,
1: a little charlottesville joke um i i I, now that you now that you mention it um let me ask you about this were you did you have anti-semitism having a big public moment on your 2022 bingo card I I I got to tell you, the only—I mean—I'm I, surprised by it. To be honest with you, I know it's always out there, but yeah. I mean, I've been so heartened by how repulsed the culture has been at large that, in many ways, I'm I'm almost grateful to Kanye for reminding me that w- we are getting better. But my God, Ethan, I just yeah, I just a... really thought that the 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 Jew haters had wised up enough to keep their mouths shut about it when a microphone's around.
4: Well, I would say it. it, it it's not unrelated that we had that president for four years um yeah uh winking at the at the nazis and uh inviting them various places and recently even to dinner um uh, so you know i think they they do feel emboldened Mm -hmm. and it's definitely a thing that's been with us for for you know for thousands of years and it's uh it's a tough it's tough disease to to cure Mm -hmm. um so uh i will say though that even personally like around this time of year i cannot understand a little because it's just very annoying how i you know we
1: just can't can't agree how to spell hanukkah like that's 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 that's, that's really hateable it's very I, I annoying. Really, i need to know who to blame for this because honestly when i was a kid it was very simple gaddafi you could spell it four different ways hanukkah yeah. was pretty simple it was a ch yeah. but then somewhere yeah, along the line they decided the h was okay and now there's yeah. there's you could spell hanukkah in more ways than you could spell gaddafi yeah
4: there's more than eight ways to spell hanukkah and there's only eight night. That's a problem. You can double up the N, double up the K, single. There can be an H on the end. I don't like it. I'm, I'm, I'm opposed to it. I think we should just we should just change the, either change the name. We got to
1: standardize the spelling. It's upsetting. Listen, um, I'm a big believer in Hanukkah. I once got through a whole weekend with just 10% on my phone. So ever since then, I'm, I'm part of the tribe as far as I'm concerned. Good. Okay. Um, Let me go to the phones. Uh, Brian is calling from the great state of Oregon. Brian, good evening and welcome. You're on you City you uh, Hi, guys. Um, how you John. Hi.
6: Uh anyway, um as you were talking uh about how to um combat the uh anti Semitism, yeah uh what popped into my head is it seems like some gentiles should um uh stand out of guard over synagogues uh during uh
1: wouldn't that be the, nice
6: um, their ceremonies is uh mm-hmm. as a solidarity.
4: Yeah, okay. and and during Mary Stickmas this weekend, yeah, at the club. Mary Shtickmas as well. Yeah, there'll be
1: there'll be a row of goy around the around the club protecting you.
6: Yeah, goy moat.
1: Goy moat. Anyways, it could, doesn't have
6: to be uh, <laughs> gentiles, but hey, and uh, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm such a religious ignorant. Are gentiles as like our Jews, Christian t- gentiles to Christians or Muslims?
1: In the Bible, uh, I mean, Gentiles are non-Jews.
6: Oh, is that the whole thing? so Muslims I think so. don't view Christians as Gentiles.
1: Hmm. I don't know. No, Ethan, you've played many Muslims.
4: No, all I can tell you, all I can tell you is that when they use the word. In Hebrew, in the Hebrew Bible, the word that then gets translated as Gentiles is just the word "goy" or goyim, which literally just means nations. So it's mm-hmm. like the Jews think of themselves as the Jews and everyone else is just the nations. Right. So, yeah. So that's that's all it means. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I,
6: I, I have no idea. I just remember also Martin Luther King at his. Uh,
1: he talked his about the goyim all the time
6: you know, saying Jews and Gentiles will hold the hands or whatever it was.
1: Yeah. But, that would be it.
6: Um, my other um question for you john i have this Im- uh, uh image in my head from like 1985 86 of neil young's band uh on austin city limits and uh, who do you uh you obviously don't who is the guy that uh it must be always on his left that uh in in this image uh, he would had a like white shirt and a vest on and uh but he was hopping up and down during gene on that. It was like a country music he did, American Harvest or something.
1: This but, is uh, the wackest question I've ever been asked. Uh, who was uh, Neil Young's know, guitarist know, on his right hand?
6: There's no crazy horses besides Neil Young.
1: Uh, is this crazy horse? It was crazy horse we're talking about? This is on Austin City Limits so. in 1984, right?
6: 84, or fa- yeah, maybe it was.
1: I got 84. Yeah, I, uh, I got 84. Okay. And but I it, believe... It was, it was just this image. And the International Harvesters. So this was hopping. not Crazy Horse. This was not... It's not Nils Lofgren or anyone like that. This was Neil Young and the International Harvesters.
6: That's it. Okay. Yes. It was. Uh, have you heard that album?
1: No, I haven't. I, no, I never heard of it oh, before Amber this conversation. Jean's a great
6: song about his daughter.
1: Okay. I'll but, check um, it out. You you uh, you have yeah, hipped me yeah, up, Neil know, Young in the '80s Lord is Ross a is Neil Young in the that's '80s that's is a landscape I haven't tread upon yet, but I, I look forward to it.
6: Well, I'm reversing you back towards <laughs> well, Mitch's character. What, ins, what instrument did the person who was jumping? I think up and he down, might have been playing a mandolin. That's and pretty specific. High, richer, more high-pitched voice than Neil Young. Mm. I, I, don't I don't know
1: feel why like I should. Remember this shit, I feel like I have to call Nils Lofgren.
6: It looks to me, based Wikipedia tells me it could have been. Uh, a gentleman named Ben Longgrain Keith, or oh. no, Anthony Crawford. Probably it was a banjo. Maybe
1: this is really nice do, of you to do, Chris, because Brian has no access to, to 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 Google in his state. So this is actually really kind of you.
6: Well, I don't no, want I don't, I don't want to, phone, use, I don't want to back data. stuff that I can't read.
1: Of course, I, I appreciate that. Of course, Brian. Uh, well, I think I think we have an answer for you. But it was Neil Young and the International Harvesters.
6: Okay. Good. Uh, and then, <laughs> anything uh, else you want
1: us uh, to look up that while that we that have that you on the phone shot. anything else
6: and that's a good album well uh, homelessness look at karen bass and what she's proposing and starting to try and do in la she's brilliant
1: she is i agree and i think karen bass knows what she's talking about more than our mayor here in new york right now
6: yeah i think she's she's just fantastic so anyways there you go uh enjoy uh I had something else, but I've <laughs> I fucking forgot it. So that's okay. You
1: know. Thank you. Um, Listen, I, I like that she's treating homelessness as like a public health emergency. I think that's actually really politically and morally smart. So I'm down. And they're
6: going to rent hotel rooms, yeah. uh, and house these people. And uh, she understands that housing is so expensive that they can't afford to, you know, work and have a house and uh, that's right. Take care of kids.
1: You're right. And, Listen, I thank uh, you, Brian. I thank you very much for the call. Um right, thank it. you. Have a good evening. Thanks. Eight six six nine seven forty seven forty eight. Listen, I, I I'm sorry to stop, but I wanted to ask, did you see the Zelensky interview with Letterman? I Maybe. did. I watched it this weekend. Unbelievable. I I was blown away by by both of them. Honestly, it
4: was a beautiful conversation. Yeah.
1: Letterman's Uh, show is wonderful. It's the best reason to have Netflix uh, as far as I'm concerned. But just the production value and the fact that they did this and pulled it off and that it was such a quality interview. I mean, it, it was just great. And it
4: was also beautiful to hear for me to hear Zelensky's voice in his native language. And then obviously there's a translator and you have subtitles, but it's great to hear him because when you hear him on the news, it's, you always in, instantly hear the 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 interpreter um, his voice on top of him. So to really get the guy's soul, um, very soft spoken in a way, and it's incredibly confident and knowledgeable and smart. And you can see why his country is rallied behind him,
1: uh, yeah. not to mention the rest of the world. Incredible. Yeah. Well, he's a comedian. He has that natural charisma. Right now, yeah. he's on an airplane coming here for the first time in 300 days, leaving the country. I have this like, you know, Hallmark movie in my mind that he's going to get snowed in by Thursday <laughs> in D.C. and have to miss Ukraine Christmas uh, in the war zone. But um, it's I like such it. an—I mean, it's such an inspiring, pitch it, pitch it inspiring. Pitch it. Pitch it. <laughs> I'm I'm on it right now. Let me go to Rachel calling from Mississippi. Rachel, thank you for your patience on hold. Hello. Hey,
2: John. Rachel, the truck driver, we talked to a few months ago. Hey,
1: Rachel. Yes, I remember. Hi, welcome. Hey,
2: Rachel. Hey, I, I was listening, and a few little while ago, you were talking to the guy about uh, the movie Scrooge.
1: Scrooge. Yes.
2: Yeah, and I had to correct something. He said there was Dexter Poindexter, Dexter Poindexter, that played the cabby, and it Buster wasn't. Poindexter. David Johan It was David, jo- right. David Johansson. <laughs> oh boy. It's
1: the same person. I hate to tell you, it's the same person.
2: Uh, I never I never I never knew him as Dexter Poindexter.
1: David David Johansson became famous as the lead singer in New York Dolls and then he had yep. this other persona like his Tony Clifton uh which was Buster Poindexter and that was the character he played when he was musical uh director on Saturday Night Live in the eighties. So it's actually it's this it's the same guy. Wow. Oh okay. Well I I,
2: I never knew him as Dexter Poindexter, so
1: That's right. Have I'm you, here to have,
2: help. Have you ever have you ever seen the movie Let It Ride?
1: Let It Ride with Richard Dreyfus. Yes. Yes, years ago.
2: Yeah, because he's in that movie, too. He plays Booney.
1: Okay, yeah, he's in a lot of movies, yeah. David Johansson is Buster Poindexter, and that will give you a lot of fun on Google. Nice. Mm -hmm.
4: I didn't know that either, Rachel, if that makes you feel any
1: better. (laughs) (laughs) I know it because I have no life and too much free time. Rachel, you keeping safe on the road? You keeping safe on the road, Rachel?
2: No, I'm trying my best to.
1: Well, I'm glad I hope it's not too cold in Mississippi right now
2: uh it's forty six degrees according to the gauge on my uh, truck <laughs> so okay right so now. then I won't
1: worry I won't worry about you. I'll, I'll keep on worrying about Minnesota. Rachel, thank you so much okay. for calling. Have a great evening you're welcome. Ba- yeah. peace so really quick before I let you go uh Ethan, yeah. I gotta ask you um are 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 you as worried as I am about the royal family? I know that you're a watcher, I know they're very important to you um it's
4: funny. I, I did mention to you that I, f- I find the whole royal family and that whole story just intensely boring. It gives me, me too. it's like, yeah, it's like the same feeling I would have as a kid, like waiting in line at the bank when you had to, like, <laughs> accompany a parent. It's just profoundly boring to me. Yeah. But then about an hour ago, I did force myself and I read the op ed, I guess it was by that um columnist gay in in the in the New York Times and mm-hmm. she was writing she was writing about it she was reviewing the series and talking about it in a way that I thought well I'm not going to watch the series I'm not that interested but it was interested interesting to get her perspective that in fact this this young couple did flee over over this uh yeah persistent racism basically and uh inability to accept uh this this uh bride into the family so yeah so there, I, I, there's
1: something there yeah, I mean, I, I you know I've I've watched The Crown. I enjoyed The Crown. It's highbrow mm-hmm. trash, but uh, I I tried watching the Harry and Meghan show. I, I live with this woman who put it on, and mm-hmm. made me watch it, and I'm like never again. And then the next, I mean, it it takes a lot to make me feel sorry for a monarchy, and and mm-hmm. and again, I'm, I'm I'm of the feeling that hey, maybe just maybe everyone's right maybe these young people are very well-intentioned but petulant and doing something really stupid and being taken advantage of with this insanely narcissistic self-indulgent pr video that they got netflix to make for them and maybe the british press are a bunch of racist dicks who were really cruel to this poor girl and the family wasn't as supportive as possible maybe they're all dicks and it's that simple
4: yeah, I actually was in that position with the Crown. My partner really liked the Crown, and it wasn't it wasn't for me. I watched a few episodes. It was incredibly well done. Yeah, but just not, I'm not super interested in in the in the wildly wealthy. I think that's the problem. It's hard Thank to you. watch.
1: Well, I think that's why that's why I thought the show worked, because it's all about how unnatural this institution is and Mm -hmm. how Charles is pretty much, you know, a a deeply abused, emotionally disturbed child uh, who is not really prepared for much of anything. Um, We also just had had, um, you know, uh, uh, Jonathan Price on the show and he plays Prince Philip in the new season. So I had to binge watch all of it. And yeah, now I want to kill myself.
4: I'm glad that that actor who's playing Charles is playing Charles because I you know, he always bothered me in The Wire because his he's American accent. He,
1: he's too good looking. play Charles. He's too good looking. Okay, Charles. but I but his think. American
4: accent in The Wire was just in, in, it never worked for me. So I always Isn't thought he's really. Doesn't...
1: Yeah, he, yeah. I, I bought it. I I bought his accent in The Wire more than his accent in The Affair. Uh, right. I mean, he yeah. he has he has the perfect elocution to play Charles. Like he sounds like a voice double, but he's he's too damn sexy and rugged. Right. I just he's, he's not. Yeah, that, that's yeah. an
4: impossible casting. Uh, You're right. Syndrome. Yeah, that um, likable twit thing is is tough to pull off. Yeah, and and the ears. Um, you you were mentioning a an alter ego for that Johansson and the Poindexter thing. Yes. Can yeah. I plug? One, can I plug one other thing?
1: Hit it. Tell me about a, a certain therapist we should know about.
4: Yeah. So this is the book I'm showing it to you now. It's it's called Today Is Now. This is a book by my alter ego, Dr. Samuel Benjamin. And Today Is Now is this is a self help book. Although Dr. Benjamin, my character, doesn't like to use that word. He feels like his book should be on the philosophy shelf or the psychology shelf. But the book is called Today is Now, and it's it's the same title uh, of the mockumentary that we have shot and is now being edited. Um, Dr. Benjamin is is an incredibly uh, over overconfident and undertrained therapist, coach, guru who, uh, who guarantees to change your life in a in in the matter of just three sessions. That's his technique. It just takes three sessions. And uh, the book, the actual book that Dr. Benjamin wrote, I wrote it, but it's mm-hmm. the, that's the character. It's available on
1: Amazon. Great Christmas gift. Ethan Hershenfeld, it is such a joy to see you. That book is on Amazon. The special is on YouTube. And if you're lucky enough, come to the comic strip for Merry Stickmas this Christmas Eve. Uh, Ethan, what's the best way for our listeners to follow you on social media? Uh, EthanHershenfeld.com. It's all there. That's my, uh, that's my website and all the links. Thank you very much, John. Let me tell you something. Your dog, Loki, was really lucky to be as loved as he was. It's so good Thank to you see you. Much. Happy Thank Hanukkah you. to you, my friend. I really I look forward to seeing you happy, very soon.
4: Happy Hanukkah. Happy Merry Christmas. Happy everything to all of your listeners and to you and your family. Thank you, John.